Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. And uh, this is episode number 18. Let's roll. Well, with week 14 in the books, for most of you, that was week one. Either you had a bye uh, or you know, you're know you out of the playoffs or maybe a 10-team league. I know there's a few of those still rolling. That means that playoffs really start week 15. Week 15 and 16, most of y'all don't play week 17 because that's ridiculous. But you know, here we are you know, with week 14 totally in the books, looking ahead to fantasy uh, playoffs. Uh, you know, especially in Dynasty, there's a lot of sort of, you know, either or questions you're asking yourself. If you're in the playoffs or if you're out, you really have to start looking at things a bit differently. Um, and so on the heels of that Monday night game, which was one of the best games certainly of the year and 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 maybe more than that. I mean, you know, the the Lamar Jackson poop gate and, you know, Baker Mayfield finally looking like a an NFL quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Um, just an amazing game. And so I can't wait to introduce you guys to uh, my guest today and certainly the probably the, the the biggest guest we've had on the show so far. And, uh, you know, certainly one of my my very good friends and, and uh, you know, someone that I, I really look up to in a lot of different ways, uh, you know, both his knowledge in football, fantasy football, but also just the way he handles himself. Everybody seems to really re- love and respect this guy. And this is no other than Paul Lundegaard, Pauly Sleepers. You can find him at uh, on on Twitter at uh, Pauly Sleepers. Uh, Paul, what is going on, my man? Hey, Jax, how you doing, man? Uh, it's good that we're finally hooking up here for this. I go to b- bed too early for you West Coast guys sometimes, and we haven't been able to hook up, but I'm here. Uh, it's my day off. I had a great day off. I posted a little bit about it on Twitter, um, and uh, it's 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 awesome, man. It's uh, in the heat of playoff season, and uh, we got plenty to talk about, man. I'm excited. Yeah, it should be a great show. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And one thing that was not fun was me opening up my my Twitter machine this morning and seeing a picture of your feet. I did not like that. You uh, you tweeted about your your wonderful day off today, and and part of that was a pedicure. And boy, oh boy, there was a there was a lot of a uh, lot of support for your pedicure on on Twitter today. There was, but, but also. Uh, Beasy with the baby face throwing up was fantastic. Really enjoyed that. <laughs> I figured I'd give the kitties something to laugh about today. I even think I put roast me. Um, but yeah, I did have a lot of support. There were a lot of guys on there that was like, you know, that were like, hey, pedicures, highly underrated. But it was fun, man. I go f- probably like three or four times a year. It's a guilty pleasure. Uh, I had an ex-girlfriend that uh, we before we went to Mexico, she – she said, we're going to go get a pedicure. And uh, I was so into this chick. I would have like, you know, she <laughs> right. would have been like, hey, you know, before we go to Mexico, we're going to go um, find some cockroaches and and, and eat them. Uh, I would have been like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I ended up loving it. And now I, I go every once in a while on my own. So I went today and uh, got those feet all cleaned up and got the dead skin. That was the fun part was the cheese grater on the uh, on the heels, getting all that dead skin off. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that this is just the right amount of foot talk, and let's move on to actual right. foot talk and foot and football. Uh, so moving right along, but I do agree that here's here's my stance and my final take on Footgate is I am 100 percent in support of your pedicure 
you know, situation. Like definitely get them. I think I'm against you posting your feet on the, <laughs> on the internet. Though. So I guarantee I you it'll never happen again. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's a strong statement. A guarantee from Polly. Polly Sleepers, you heard it here first. No more feet on online. God bless them. Uh, so that was your chance at internet. If you want to see Polly Sleepers feet, hop on there because they're there and they're going to be gone at some point. But I'm sure you guys are, you know, we're, we're going crazy over this uh, Browns-Ravens game. I just wanted to hit it real quick. Uh, not much to, you know, review there. A couple things, but what did you think of that, huh? That was great. Um, Term, Terminator, my co, you know, co-host on Unscripted says it all the time. Nick Chubb is the best pure runner in the league. So fun yes. to watch. That offense was amazing. I mean, God, did he complete like three passes in the first – 20 minutes or some shit like that. It was something crazy. Uh, but Baker came alive. You mentioned it in your intro that he finally looked. I'm going to disagree. I think, I think he has looked that way sporadically several times. He's just not consistent with it. Um, yep. I, you know, he's, he's shown us that before. I'm surprised he showed us that against Marlon Humphrey and company. Honesty. Um, you know, they've got a really, really good secondary there. Jimmy Smith, Mar- Marlon Humphrey. Um, yeah, that was fun. Division rivals banging it out. Um, the the poop gate. I mean, we saw Lamar Jackson running back into the uh, into the tunnel. We all know that wasn't cramps. We all know that was the poop run. <laughs> you know, you, you got to love it. Um, I don't know how. I think he missed like twelve minutes or something. That must have been a healthy, healthy, healthy shit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he he had cramps, all right. Yeah, and then the big the big controversy really with all the betting guys is the safety that 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 screwed up the line. I don't know if you yes. looked into that too much, but the the line flipped on that safety um, and and really screwed some people over. But yeah, uh, there was uh, there was a couple of uh, uh, sports books that refunded that money in terms of you know uh, store credit, if you will. Right, you had to put it back into it was a only a bet credit, but still. You know, they, oh, they yeah, repaid. I think Bet River Sports did that. Um, yeah. yeah, that was nice of them to do that. I mean, you lose, you lose. But, yeah, Mark Andrews came alive and did what he needed to do. Um, Hollywood had a – I think Hollywood had his big catch on uh, Jackson's first pass after the poop. A hundred percent. It was fourth and four, right around the 50. They're down one, two-minute warning. Like, the two-minute warning actually gave, you know, uh, Lamar a chance to wipe was really what happened. Right, right. It's hilarious, you know. And he posted, I was not taking a poop emoji. Um, <laughs> Odell was on the sideline just asking him if he needed some help. Right. Odell was like, oh, please take me with you. Odell was pretty excited about the whole thing. He, he was, he was, he had those, those eyes, those gazing eyes across the, uh, across the way he just really wanted to help Lamar with the whole situation but just term just term had the best tweet he said he said Lamar Jackson did something no one's ever done he finally took the Browns to the Super Bowl oh boom that is that is uh tweet Twitter (laughs) excellence right there um what was I gonna say now I forgot you got me off my game with the with all this poop talk oh Baker well with Baker you know you're right we we have seen glimpses of it like last week against Tennessee you know he he obviously played well but you know, what we haven't seen from Baker was him performing well in it, with, with two criteria. One, against a good defense, and two, while his team has a winning record and a chance to go to the playoffs. That we haven't seen. And so that's what I thought he did, you know, uh, Monday night that, you know, we hadn't seen before. Perform well, perform well against a good defense, 
perform well against a good defense with his team on the precipice uh, of going to the playoffs, look, this is new ground. And and I'm excited to see it because, you know, I've, I've always rooted for the kid. You know, um, why not? You know, let's go. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's good for football, I think, you know, and uh, I, I feel the same. I said on our uh, unscripted podcast when uh, Odell went down that this could be good for him to not have an alpha that he has to feed, to be able to play his backyard ball, just throw it up, you know, throw it to whoever's open, no matter who it is, and, and not have, you know, the elite star that's demanding all the targets and kind of forcing his action and forcing his game. I think he's better. I think he's better off without him. Uh, you know, probably a lot of people would, uh, would not like that take, but well, sure. I mean, you know, there's definitely haters, but you know, one thing that was pretty interesting was uh, you had mentioned on that fourth and four, which was pretty cool play. Lamar, Lamar didn't look like it was a planned rollout, but they pressed him up the middle. He he got flushed. He moves out. I mean, he literally after flushing, he got flushed, and then um, you know <laughs> he he kind of finds uh, he he finds Brown down the middle, which again very ironic, you know. But he finds him down the middle. And you called him Hollywood Brown. I think we really need to revisit that name. And I think San Bernardino Brown is a much better name because that kid ain't quite Hollywood. Yeah, Van Nuys Brown. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Right. I mean, but we can't call that kid Hollywood. I mean, it's it's San Bernardino, ring-a-ding-ding. I mean, let's get this kid a, a proper nickname. I hey, did you're the to- Cali boy, so I'll defer to your judgment on the uh, on the on on what city he should be. Yeah, no, I, the only reason it's San Bernardino is D. Brown came up with that. I was laughing my ass off last night when he said that. Yeah, so that's funny. Absolute Twitter excellence again. But, you know, that's his new nickname. I'm calling him San Bernardino Brown. It just, it's it. got a nice flow, and it's its definitely more apropos. And Rashard Higgins on the other side of the ball is the is the first Hollywood yes. Brown. Correct. And uh, he's had himself a, a pretty good run of games here. Yes. Yeah, the real Hollywood, uh, 10 targets, 6 for 68 and a touchdown. Against Tennessee, 9 targets, 6 for 95 and a touchdown. Um, He's really kind of emerging here as the season is unfolding as a trusted target. The OG Hollywood, the real Hollywood. The, The OG Hollywood at the very least. I mean, you know, Hollywood Higgins. And by the way, Hollywood Higgins, better role. San Bernardino Brown, they all work. So, Let's let's rename it. I mean, I know my reach isn't that big. I mean, you know, maybe the thousand or two of you that are listening to this, uh, you know, can uh, can start spreading it. But you know, uh, we need a we need a million man march to get this name changed, and I don't think I've got that kind of reach. We'll work on it. Thank you. I appreciate, Paul. Your reach is a little bit bigger than mine. Maybe you could help. I mean, D Brown deserves it. He he made a good name. The other guy that I thought was you know kind of interesting in this game and continues to be interesting going forward is a rookie, Donovan Peoples Jones. You know, if we can remember who Donovan Peoples Jones was, he was you know the number one recruit coming out of high school uh, when he was in his college class for a wide receiver and. Um, you know, he he played in an anemic offense in in college. Never really did much. I mean, he did have some some wow plays, but kind of never lived up. And then, you know, here again, I mean, he 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 goes for you know th- five targets, three catches, seventy four yards. He's he's been a big play guy. All, all, you know, all season has a couple of touchdowns. You know, he's not an alpha, but he's a sneaky guy uh, to look at, especially going into next year. Which kind of brings me to. 
you know, what we wanted to talk about a little bit, which was, you know, from a, from a dynasty lens, you know, maybe just talk a little bit of, of, of strategy right now. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to fit into the strategy if you're eliminated. You know, if you're eliminated, you're looking to find guys that are, you know, kind of sleeping under the radar and, you know, uh, players that maybe on your waiver wire. The way I look at it is very simple, Paul. Maybe you can touch on this after I, after I get this out. So, you know, at this particular point, if I'm eliminated from the playoffs or even if I'm not eliminated, but I look at the bottom of my bench – and there's guys that I know in 2021 will either A, not help me, or they're going to maybe retire or maybe just really reduce their value by a, by a, so much that they're almost useless going into next year. But if I look on the waiver wire, there might be someone who was little used or you know really not that uh, impactful in 2020. But in 2021, their uh, value may increase. Well, I may want to exchange those two assets because – Literally, the only thing that's going to happen, there's no more games to be played, so to speak, between now and you know uh, next season. So it's not like, oh, I'm giving up this production. It's really just value. So you really want to look at that value because some uh, dynasty leagues will have a moratorium on transactions for a month or two while the leagues switch over. Who knows what? But you want to end this 2020 season with what your your sort of your best 2021 roster looks like. And if that means making little tiny trades here and there, getting off certain guys, that's what you should be looking at. I suppose even on a winning team, but especially on a team that's out of it. Yeah, you nailed it. Um, a couple of the guys I want to talk about may be on waivers. Um, some of them you could probably make some little baby trades for. And one thing you touched on that you know that's really important is, um, and I hate this personally, but I am in leagues where transactions will be locked until after the draft. Right. So you have a couple weeks to do something. Um, hopefully you're in a league that doesn't have a trade deadline either, um, which unfortunately I'd say the you know majority of my leagues do have a trade deadline that's coming past. But I'd say probably about 30% of my leagues don't and leave it open. That's the way you Agreed. should. Um, I think – I don't know how many of my leagues you're in. I know you're in at least one of them. You mean your leagues um, that you commish? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The ultimate poly yep. sleepers. Uh, I've already, I've already announced it that because in two of them there's no trade deadline, and in three of them there is. I've already announced it that next year there's going to be no trade deadline. Um, but yeah, that's absolutely it. If you're out of it, and it, there, I was eliminated in two leagues this week. Uh, shout out to Bearded Shotgun for uh, bouncing me in one league, and then the other league was a, a guy named Charger Lover. Um, but I've already the purge is right. on. If you go look at the the chat right now, it's you know four or five guys in each one of those leagues that I just dumped, um, and I'm going to try and pick up some upside guys. You know exactly like you said. Um, <laughs> that should be part of your strategy. Take advantage of like people that have been bounced out. They're just going to kind of hang it up for yes. now and probably not look at their leagues for a few months until closer to the draft. Um, they're going to be stagnant. So take advantage of that. I'm always active and always looking to improve. So yeah, absolutely. yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, you win on those margins and, you know, obviously uh, you, you guys have sort of brought me into this, you know, 20 team or more uh, lifestyle, which quite frankly is a little bit much. Uh, but, you know, if you're in only one or two or even three or four or five leagues, um, you know, it's a little easier to kind of pay attention to that. If you're in a lot of leagues, it's a little bit of a job. But, you know, it is so important to 
to do that because you're 100 percent right when you said it. There's so many uh, guys in your league that are just going to kind of hang it up. They're like, ah, ain't shit to do until the draft or whatever. I'll figure it out. And then they just sort of have these waste product uh, players on the backside of their roster, their last three, four, five players. Where if you can get rid of those waste product players, you know, I play in a couple leagues still with kickers and or defenses, and depending on the rules, especially on kickers, like, I mean just release them and pick up some sort of high upside player. You'll figure out kicker next year, but you'd much rather see some sort of, some sort of asset increase in value over the off season. If possible, you know, a guy like Donovan Peoples Jones, who all of a sudden, Hey, this guy isn't coming back, that sort of thing. And he's going to play predominantly outside. We traded this player. What something can happen in the off season transactionally that can elevate a player like that, that you didn't even anticipate It's Some sort of, from left field, but all of a sudden he's there and, and the value spikes. Well, you don't want to be on the waiver wire trying to get him then. You, you'd like to have as many of those potential skyrockets on your roster, you know, now, you know, or, or in the next couple of weeks. So that's something that I always do. And, you know, if you're out of it, drop your kickers and defenses, unless, of course, there's some sort of value to them. I, you know, obviously check your league bylaws, right? But, you know, Get rid of them all. You know, a guy like Brandon Allen, you know, right? Like, even the Superflex League, he's never going to be a quarterback. Like, you maybe have had him on the – get rid of him and pick up some other high-leverage player. Yeah, in any event, that brings me to you, though, Polly, because you had a couple of Dynasty deep dive stashes that you wanted to share with us, and I really wanted to hear them. So, I'd love to hear, you know – Well, a couple of the guys are on this one. So, like, for example, in that league I was just talking about where Beards knocked me out, it's a, it's a tight end premium league. I went ahead and dropped uh, Jacob Hollister, uh, Christian Blake, and Peyton Barber. And I'm going after Dan Arnold's out there uh, on that waiver wire. I can't believe nobody's picked him up. A tight end hasn't really been relevant in that offense um, for a while. I even said don't worry about tight ends in the art in the Cardinals offense last year because they run so many four wide receiver sets and they're not, you know, used as much. But you've got Dan Arnold who's caught um four touchdowns in the last four games. Um so I think that's a good one to pick up. He's only 25 years old. Um he's on several of my waivers. I hope that people that I play with don't hear this and pick this guy up. But I think that's a good one for, you know, especially tight end premium leagues or leagues that, you know, you start a couple tight ends. Jacob Hollister isn't the guy there. Uh, it looks like it's going to be Will Disley again. And he's out there in this league, so I'm picking his ass up. Um, I love picking up um, both Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson. Yep. Um, now, Mike Williams is going to be on that team next year. Uh, Keenan Allen has a, a big contract, so he's going to be on there for a while. So it's not like these guys are going to emerge as a you know number one or number two tight end or two two wide receiver, but I want pieces of that offense for when those guys are hurt. I want pieces of that offense for when Mike Williams you know goes away in two years. Maybe Jalen Guyton becomes the man. Both of these guys run sub four four forties, and uh, Guyton profiles on every workout metric between the 76th and 86th percentile. So, you know, he's got the tools. Um, those are a couple of guys that I've been looking at. Um, Mac Hollins from Miami. Uh, Lynn Bowden Ooh, don't, don't from step Miami. On it now. We're going to get there. Yeah, yeah, Lynn Bowden is on, uh, is on waivers in Dynasty Leagues. It's crazy. I picked him up. In two leagues last week, and I and I'm trying to pick him up in another league this week that I can't believe 
he's already passed through yeah, waivers. Yeah, it's definitely not a league that I'm in with you. That that much can be assured. No, that much is assured. I, I know you're. I know you're. You're big. <laughs> Another guy that I, I know you're big on. Um, that you know he's not on waivers, but maybe somebody you can make a trade for. Is Darnell yep. Mooney? You want to talk about him? Yeah, I mean, uh, ultimately, you know, there, there's a bunch of those guys that I that I would definitely be targeting, and you know, um, we'll kind of move around. You know, I kind of have the show sheet set up, and and Paulie doesn't give a shit. You know, Paulie Paulie just goes wherever he wants to go, and you know, he's the. I don't care about. He doesn't your give show a shit. Sheet, you see what I'm saying, guys? And nor should he. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. Sorry. Nor should he. I love you. <laughs> One of the outliers is Lynn Bowden. 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 Come on, help me out here, Twitter. What the hell is this guy's name? Either way, he's awesome. Jack of all trades. He he did throw a pass in this most recent game. He took some 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 running plays and some receiving plays. And and you asked me about him. And you know, for me, he was a wide receiver. I posted to Twitter today. I'm not sure if you saw Paul. You were busy getting your your feet wet, if you will. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's a it's a rub and tug of a different sort. But. Uh, still, nonetheless, congratulations. Uh, but uh, Lynn Bowden was uh, was my number ten wide receiver pre-draft. Uh, I just thought he was just an electric player with all sorts of skill, and I saw kind of a a, um, a little bit of a Debo Samuel type player. Maybe not quite Debo, but I thought he had a chance to be really special if if he ever kind of figured it out. I think the the natural ability is is sort of evidenced by the fact that he played quarterback running back wide receiver in college and was like kind of Mr. Everything for his team and, and successfully. So it's not like he was just doing it and like, you know, out of default, he did it. He was doing it in the sec and, and was kind of competing with these teams with an inferior team around him. And he's just an impressive player and, and he's starting to show it a little bit. Yeah. People will get real thirsty for draft picks. I bet that you could get him for a very late third or even maybe a, a early fourth, as long as he doesn't like just break out here the next couple of weeks. But you're right. He does do all of those things. He doesn't do them as hard as no. Debo does because Debo just runs so hard. And that might be to his detriment and why, you know, another guy we're going to talk about here in a little bit might be a better asset. But uh, yeah, Bowden, uh, I, I don't know what the Raiders were thinking. They, I guess they overdrafted the position. Yeah. And they were way were way too rich at that position by getting Edwards and Rugs by having Renfro and uh, Tyrell, um, Tyrell. You know all those guys. I mean, obviously, if they knew Tyrell was going to opt out or whatever happened, maybe he just shoulder, got hurt. His in the shoulder. PIR. He I popped think, his shoulder. Okay, okay. That they might have kept him, but I was really surprised when they let him go. It's pretty rare that you would draft a rookie like that and then just let him go. He's got practice squad appeal. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, th- what I thought it was an indictment on, on Lynn Bowden, actually, because an NFL team that does that so quickly, you got to figure there's just something about the kid that's like, you know, he just, you know, it's an Aaron Hernandez type thing. Oh, let's get rid of this guy, hot potato type thing where it's like, you know, they just got him in. He was a moron. He just wasn't, a, didn't have work ethic, whatever it was, like just not built for this. Let's just, get rid of him and count our losses. But uh, I don't think that's the case. I mean, clearly he might've been behind. First of all, I think they fucked up and I'll tell you why Paulie, they were trying to make him a running back. And, you know, I think you and I talked a lot about it pre-draft and, and I, you know, I hate to be right all the damn time, but I was right about these two players. You know, Antonio Gibson was drafted as a wide receiver and Lynn Bowden was drafted as a running back and both were completely incorrect. Lynn Bowden was clearly a wide receiver, kind of a slot plus gadget 
wide receiver. That's what he is. That's exactly what he profiles as, and probably awesomely so in the NFL. And Antonio Gibson was clearly always a running back. And so for those two people to be drafted as, you know, quote unquote, wide receiver and running back, you know, at the combine, they were, you know, the whole thing, it was just absolutely ridiculous. So um, I think maybe they miscast him. They they thought he was a running back. He wasn't. They tried him at running back and he wasn't good. They're like, oh, let's get rid of this kid. They were just too either too stupid or uh, or. Yeah, I think you actually just nailed it. It, it, it. Your answer is better than mine. It wasn't about them having riches at wide receiver because they did have him out there as a running back. So, um, yeah, I think you're absolutely they, it right. It's just maybe they're stupid. You know, it's possible. But, you know, so, so at any rate, I like his chances of being able to contribute in, you know, a Naheem Hines type of way next year, but more, you know, receiver than running back. And like you said, he could throw the ball too. He could be your jet yep. sweep guy. Um, Jaquim Grant is just really small, man. I, I mean, I hate to to just dig on him for that because there are there are players that are that size that do succeed at this level, but it's rare, man. I mean, he's five eight, um, and they're wanting him to, you know, when they when they did have everybody healthy for freaking I don't know thirty minutes. Um, <laughs> they had him out there as the wide receiver three, and it just it it wasn't working. Um, I think that's why I think that's why Mac Hollins kind of emerged yes. a little bit here this last week. Yes, and 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 Beasy called it too. You know, with all those running backs hurt, he knew that that uh, they would get Bowden out there and give him uh, some more run. Um, and these last couple of weeks, he's proven to be versatile. And uh, like I said, somebody you could probably get really cheap from somebody that. That is just itching for a 2021 pick. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, you know, you you sort of touched on it, but they they really have. I mean, with Preston Williams coming back, uh, Devontae Parker, and then Bowden in the slot with Gisecki. Look, Gisecki's got problems because he can't block, and so he's he's sort of limited as a player, but he's a hell of a receiver. You know, with those four guys as your primary receivers and passing downs, that's pretty dangerous, actually. Um you know, they're going to have to do something with Gusecki uh, in terms of his blocking. I mean, that's a big problem. And so, you know, I've, I've covered that ad nauseum on this podcast. But, you know, look, now he's hurt. That's unfortunate. Miami, here's the thing that pains me the most as a Patriots fan is that Miami looks like they're p- well positioned. Front office, you know, coaching staff, talent structure. They're, 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 they're ready to take off. Defense. You know, they're the only team that has, yes. has a turnover in every game this year. Mm. Um, I think Jacecki, while we're talking about him really quickly, um, I, I've gone from, you know, hating the guy to actually being able to appreciate what he can bring to the game. But I've decided that it really boils down to he doesn't need to be in a Chan Gailey, you know, spread offense. He needs to be in a Stefanski two tight end offense. Sure. Where there's another tight end staying in the block and he's the one um, running the most of the route. So he's just flat out in this in the wrong scheme. No doubt about it. And uh, when Fitzpatrick was throwing to him sort of on the edges in contested catches in contested catch situations, Gasecki comes through. He's actually a pretty good little player. Um, my my whole thing with him is that he just doesn't create pressure on linebackers in terms of play action because when he's in, they know they're passing. It's there's no threat of run. Um, so the linebackers are not trying to beat him to the punch. They already know what's happening. And so he's, you know, it's kind of like the, what was it? Like some players like that, LeGarrette Blount, James White, like you knew, James, 
Yeah, it's telegraphed. You know, you just know what's happening. And so Why Adrian you know, Peterson didn't work out in New Orleans. It's just too telegraphed. Yep, you got it. That type of thing is happening. Exactly right. While, while we're on it, some of these late emerging players, like I, I called them, you know, late emerging, I guess, whatever. In other words, you know, these are guys that could really have some substantial roles into 2021 and maybe I don't know if you want to call them buy lows. I don't know. I mean, you know, sometimes you're buying high. Like right now on Lynn Bowden, if you buy, you're buying high because oh, two weeks ago you could have stolen him. And that's probably what you should have been doing is 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 taking some of those guys. You know, if you'd listened to my advice and quite frankly, Paulie uh, is on the unscripted pod with uh, BZ and term unscripted. Got to go check it out. Just simply search the undroppables on wherever the hell you are, Spotify or iTunes, and both of our pods come up. Please rate and review. I don't know how many times. I don't beg you guys for shit. I really don't care. You know, I'm not this type of guy. Oh, please rate and review. But rating and reviews does kind of, you know, help us out. So please go out there and just say how great uh, Undroppables, uh, Unscripted, and uh, Undrafted are. Please. Sorry, that's my ad. I don't I don't ask you guys for nothing because I don't really give a shit. But, you know, it helps. So please do it. Anyway, they, they've been saying the same thing for a long period of time, which was go get Cam Akers. For the longest time on this pod, I was asking, Paul, and you, you haven't been on the pod, but I've been asking the very simple question. James Robinson, Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers. Put those three in order. I'll ask you to do it for me. In Dynasty, put those three in order. They're so close. I mean, the guy that I, the guy that I say is number three it's so is hard. not an indictment on him. Now, Kyle Yates today was saying that, uh, you know, that Jacksonville's probably going to wow. draft a high, high draft capital guy. Um, nothing against Kyle, but I think they've got their guy um, and they've got other holes to fill. So I, um, I just love Gibson so much. He's still going to be my one um, with Cam Akers 1B. And Robinson 1C just because there is some uncertainty there with him being an undrafted free agent, with um, there likely being a new coaching staff coming in where you know they have no attachment to him. Um, I can't imagine a new coaching staff coming in and going, yeah, I really don't like that guy. I mean, he's kind of looking like Fred Taylor out there. <laughs> so that's where I would go. But, um, you know, Akers and Gibson to me are very close. And, and, and Robinson is maybe just a couple dashes down, but definitely in the same tier. They're um, 100% in the same tier. You are 100% right about that. And they've been in the same tier, well, since um, James Robinson elevated, right? Since very early in the season when James Robinson elevated, because I know you certainly remember that I had uh, Cam Akers basically in my top three or four running backs in the 2020 class forever, like, you know, forever. And I also know that you know that I had uh, Antonio Gibson at at six, right behind CEH. And that's when you were like, what? And I remember that was when you started to really take a, better, a deeper look. And that's when you got excited about him, when I when I started pimping him. And and I probably uh, – I traded him to you erroneously. Uh, you know, <laughs> so uh, – but, you know, so you know those two guys were – pretty close to a same tier anyway. And then James Robinson elevated himself into that tier. But I got to tell you, never once for me did did Cam Akers come off his pedestal. He was no. hurt. He, he's just a stud. And so, you know, 
here's where Cam Akers is still a buy high because he's awesome. I've been trying to tell you Cam Akers is awesome. That's what he is. He's just an awesome football player. Now, if he gets hurt or if some shit goes wrong, of course, there are some ways for him to, to bust out. But it is not going to be because he isn't good at football. It's because some other thing happens, an injury or some shit. Cam Akers is dope. He's going to continue to be dope. So he's still one for me. Gibson's right there. Look, those three guys are all basically top 15 running backs in, in Dynasty for me. So they're all there. But, you know, th- there's a lot of people who jumped ship on Cam Akers. And lo and behold, let the let the record stand of this podcast. It was never, ever me. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the term buy high. Because we've all done it uh, instinctually, but I don't think we ever put a, a name to it. Um, although, I mean, you know, you know what buy high is, but, you know, when Michael Liu first said, hey, there's a thing is such a thing as buy high and it doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it. Right. Said, Wait a minute. I thought you're supposed to buy low. I thought you're supposed to sell high. The whole idea is that, you know, like it, when Microsoft was, you know, a hundred, you know, uh, there might have been a lot of people that, th- that thought that it was peaking. You know, but you're buying it on the rise. So I think that it needs to be, I still think that term needs to be uh, tweaked a little bit to indicate that there's more to come. For sure. Um, If you can get acres for a first and a second right now, go do it. Slam. Yeah, slam it. Slam it home. Yep, and you might home. go, wow, really? Like next year's class is really good, Paulie. Like, do you really want to do that? Yeah, yeah, okay. If it's the 101 and the 201, no. maybe not. No. But um, other than that situation, yeah, do it. Um, if, yeah. if you get it for, you know, a wide receiver two at a first round pick, do it. Take it. He's got the draft capital. He's got the chops. Uh, I mentioned it on our podcast. There was something that happened in last week's game that really clicked with me. And, and Jared Goff is, is going to be tied to that team for a while. He, he signed a big contract. So it's going to be about the rapport between those two guys. Can Akers do the job that Gurley used to do? Yes. He's a pass catching back. He hasn't done it yet. And he did do it a little bit last week, but he hasn't emerged on that yet. But if you watch his Florida State tape, he's not just a check down guy. He can run routes. He can run hitch routes. He can run wheel routes. He can do all of those things that Gurley used to do. And there was a play where, um, and I love listening to games now because, you know, it's all silent and you hear them talking and you hear them calling out each other's names. And Goff checked out of a play and he said, Cam. And Cam came over and got closer to the formation and they ran an outside zone and Cam Akers executed it perfectly, rushed it for nine yards, got up, looked at Goff, pointed at him. Goff pointed at him. They had that connection like, hey, buddy, yep, I knew what you meant. I saw the play that you – that I saw what you saw, and uh, and the more you see things like that, the more you see they'll open it up, and sure enough, he's starting to catch a few balls here and there. He's going to be a franchise bell cow back. Yes, Daryl Henderson is just he's just burst. He's just Correct. up the middle burst. That's what I. That's what my scouting report was on him. When I went to the combine here in Indy, when he was at that combine, that's still my scouting report on him. I don't hate the guy, but he doesn't have the lateral movement. He doesn't have the pass catching chops. He doesn't have the vision. 
he's a burst to the hole and go just burst of speed guy. And Akers is so much more versatile than that. They're going to keep giving him more and more opportunities. Shout out to late round QB that identified that uh, Henderson's success rate from week eight to week 13 was 33% and Akers was 56%. And this is one of the things that caught me to say he's going to break out now. And I said it on our podcast. I said, they've got analytics guys. I know they're showing this to um, to coach. I know that coach is an analytics guy and they're going to give the ball to the guy that's more successful. So um, yeah, we talked a lot about acres, but I don't think that you can talk too much about him because he's going to be a star. A hundred percent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Polly sleepers to the pod. I mean, just dropping the, the fire right there. Exactly right. Let me, let me share. Let me just go one. I'm going to come over the top here. Okay, week one, Cam Akers plays 24 downs. And, you know, 24 snaps, not a ton, but a, a, a pretty good amount. He didn't play that, that many snaps again till week 13. Why? Well, in week two, he played three snaps. And what did he do? He broke his fucking ribs, man. Like he was there. That was on the first drive against Philadelphia. They were going in for the score. They were leaning on acres. They loved him. He was the guy. Clearly he was going to start to get more opportunities and broke rib. I mean, that I, I don't, I've never broken a fucking rib. I bet it hurts like a motherfucker. And okay. So he takes weeks three and four off, comes back in week five, plays 13 downs, and clearly is not okay because he only plays one down in week six, three downs in week seven. Basically, at that point, you know it isn't because he sucks. It's because he's hurt. Like, this is so clear. He missed two weeks, came back. They bring him back down to earth. So now through, as you point out, weeks eight, 10, 11, 12, because they had a buy in week nine. Those four weeks, they sort of, they spot him. In those weeks... As you point out, the efficiency metrics were starting to show that this kid's good, which, hello, we already knew. And and then week 13 and 14, he's now the bell cow. Who is surprised by this other than, I Us. mean, you know, right? I mean, nobody's surprised by the fact that this is what's going to happen. I mean, this is this made perfect sense at all. The, 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 you know, if you put the, the, the dialogue to it, the dude broke his ribs and was in significant pain and is a running back. It's not like he's a quarterback, seldom getting hit or whatever. He he's gonna take contact on every single play. So this all makes sense. Cam Akers, welcome to the big show, man. You're the you're the dude. And he's gonna as you point out, he's he's attached to Jared Goff. He's attached to Sean McVay. He's attached to Cup and Woods and that whole offensive scheme. And hopefully they go out and instead of drafting a guy like Van Jefferson, they draft um, a guy like Ezra Cleveland or some sort of offensive lineman in this draft, if they can build that offensive line, their defense is really good. This team could be really, really good next year. And Cam Akers could be what Todd Gurley was and what was it, 16, 17? And my, my year's wrong, eight, 17, 18, whatever it was. Those two MVP, fantasy, MVP years for Todd Gurley, that could be what we see in 21, 22, 23 for Cam Akers. So buying oh, yeah. is, exa- is exactly what you're talking about. He may cost you a lot right now, but it'll cost you a hell of a lot more mid-2021. Let me just guarantee that shit to you. So go right. get it. So what was our trade? Oh, don't hurt me. What was our trade? You, tr- I, okay. So you have- Gibson. You had uh, my- 
first round pick, I think. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. you had my first round pick. We saw so the first and the second. Yeah, I gave you Gibson and my second for my first back. That's so it. So basically, I moved up exactly 12 spots in the 2021 draft, wherever that ends up being. I don't know. I, probably middling, I think it was. I think I made the playoffs but bounced early, whatever it was. So it's, you know, 7-8. Yeah. So I and traded the – Not the, to rub your 19. nose in it. I mean, I yeah, can tell no, you about tra- a horrible trade I did with BZ that was just horrible involving like five guys on each side. But the point is, when I said that trade on our pod, BZ and you got Turner roasted. both kind of turned their noses up a little bit. They were like, wow, man, I don't know that he's worth a first rounder. And I said, you know, you just wait, man. This yeah. guy is going to emerge now that uh, that left. Geis? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that once Geis left that he would take over. And uh, no one's going to go back and say that you overpaid for a guy like that. That's now right. somebody say, oh, wow, you only did a first and second swap? For Gibson, right. it's the same thing for Acres. If you were able to get him, like I said, for a first and a second right now, some people might go, ooh, wow, somebody wants Cam Akers. Somebody will say it in the chat. Somebody's yeah. got a hard on for Cam Akers. I, in two years, somebody's going to be – he'll be trading for three firsts. Right. That's exactly right. And that's what that's what you got to keep your eye on. And, 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 and there's a difference between uh, making that trade for Cam Akers and making that trade for Miles Gaskin. You know, not to throw shade on Miles Gaskin, but – you know, you have to, and that's where rookie um, evaluations sort of help you when it's two, three years into their careers, and you're like, "Oh, this guy's finally showed himself." Well, is is he is he just getting a little opportunity? He's gonna be he's gonna be phased out in a couple of weeks, or is this like his coming out? You know, it's kind of like Devonte Parker, Corey Davis, right? Like those guys were elite level. Devonte Adams is a perfect example. When he finally showed himself, Prospect. it was like. Right. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, oh, this is a flash in the pan. This is actually him maybe asserting himself into true dominance. And remember the pushback on Devontae Adams, the 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 auto response from the haters on Twitter was he's never caught a thousand yards. Right. Those guys, man, RIP to those guys. Yeah, Devontae. you know, because he's the hottest wide receiver in the league. Yes. Um, so you got to realize that sometimes it takes some time for these guys to percolate. And yeah, with Gaskin, man, I just had him on taxi squads and 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 he emerged and was like, all right, great. He's going to start now for me. But yep. I, I took all offers that I could for trading for him because Absolutely. he's not going to be their starter next year. Absolutely. That's some exactly guys right. Are six week rentals, eight week rentals. They're still worth the fourth, the fourth round pick that you took for him. The wins yeah. that he got me, and then the 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 draft capital I was able to get in return for trading for him, he paid for himself. Even though he was, you know, only usable for uh, a short amount of time, you know. But yeah, but and sometimes Akers and Jonathan Taylor, those guys, man, you know, Robinson, Gibson, those are franchise backs. It's a whole different situation. Yeah, no doubt. You're 100 percent right, and. You know, when we talk about those guys, that's where it is. They're, those guys, I, I kind of have this thing where, you know, there's a certain number of uh, of check boxes that I look at when I'm evaluating uh, rookies, you know, coming in, especially rookie running backs. And there's sort of this highest level that I will uh, ascribe to a player. And, you know, there were four of those last last year, and CEH wasn't one of them. He did land in an, in, in an elite spot, but he didn't check all boxes whereas Akers, Swift, Dobbins, and Taylor did. And so those are the four guys that almost, 
no matter what, if shit doesn't go quite right for them, I'm still going to hold out hope. Whereas kind of everybody else, you know, they may hit, they may not, but they also are a little bit fragile to your point about James Robinson. The one that I'm worried about in that group that you just mentioned would be uh, J.K. Dobbins, just a little bit. If yeah, I mean, you are putting him in the same tier and and kind of assigning the same capital to him, uh, value and trades wise, um, I see his ceiling as you know what Mark Ingram did last year, and that's get 12, 13, 14 touches a game, and have a very high variance of touchdown uh, inequity from the fact that Lamar Jackson's going to run it in so much. I don't know what his ceiling is past that, especially in an offense that wants to spread the ball around. I mean, even though he's emerging as the lead back, he's not going to get 20 touches a game. And he's yeah, not going to get two, three, four goal line carries per game. Um, I love the guy. I kind of hate the spot for him right now. Honestly, if if you want to trade me Cam Akers for uh, Dobbins in a second, I'll take it. Hmm. Interesting. I'll take it right now. Yeah, it's fair. Um, the biggest twenty, you know, a twenty touch ceiling. It's going to catch the ball a lot more. Uh, they don't There's throw. A, there it is. Um, there it is. You know, they don't there throw Dobbins. Um, so I don't. I don't hate the guy. He's a freaking bowling ball, man. I just think that that's his ceiling. Nine hundred yards. Um, you know, maybe six, seven, eight touchdowns if Lamar Jackson you know, decides not to run it in so much. Um, uh, a Derrick Henry-like reception total. Um, a guy like that that gets that kind of run and that kind of value on the on the draft table, to me, I'm going to say, is he ever going to be a top five back? For me, no. For me, no. He's never going to be a top five. My concern with J.K. Dobbins is all about the receptions. Because he actually, when you when you were talking the 900 yards and all, look, I think he has immense rushing ceiling. Um, <clears throat> if we look at like even uh, Mark Ingram from last year, you know, Mark Ingram, I'm going to look it up real quick because I'm kind of curious. Uh, last season, he had uh, he had ten touchdowns, right? So I think he has that as his not his floor, but certainly that plus for his ceiling. You know what I mean? Like 10, 15 rushing touchdowns in in, in his range of outcomes. He had 1,000 yards, did Mark Ingram last year. And I think, you know, so 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns on the ground is there. What isn't there, unfortunately, are the pass ca- the, the receptions. Uh, my good friend Nate Liss had, uh, you know, had shared at one point um, somewhere, I don't remember, uh, about how many times Lamar Jackson has actually targeted any running back out of the backfield in his career. And it's he's he's targeted the running back like uh, four times in a single game, like once or something. Like In other words, wow. that's the problem, right? That's the big problem is that problem. Lamar Jackson doesn't target the running back coming out of the backfield. Now, Dobbins has that skill set, but the offense doesn't call for it. Why? Because Lamar Jackson just assume run for 25 yards, you know what I mean? Like scramble and go. Now, maybe with Dobbins in year two, they create some opportunities for that, but the natural creation of sort of the dump off isn't there because Lamar's just going to take it. So insofar as 
you're talking about his ceiling. Look, I think his ceiling is 1,500 yards, 20 touchdowns in that offense if it all goes well. But mm. that's kind of the way that he has to go to be a, a top five back is that it has to be that way. Um, so in that way, I kind of agree with you. It's a little bit frustrating, especially, of course, with Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram. You know, Gus Edwards had two touchdowns. Ingram, I mean, excuse me, Dobbins had one. Lamar had two on the ground or something like that. Like they rushed it in five times. Now, if all if three or four of those go to Dobbins, all of a sudden we're all getting excited, but only one of them did, you know? No, yeah, I get it. I, I think you think his rushing ceiling is higher than me, and that's okay, you know? We're not well, here to I mean, agree with each other all the time. That would be awful boring. Well, let's let's disagree some more then. Let's just do it. I mean, you know, tell me why I'm an idiot, please. The people want to hear it. Polly. The people want to hear someone just fucking lay into me. I tell you, they do. Well, they I mean, me. you mentioned Jonathan Taylor. Let's let's talk about my Colts for a minute, man. Ooh, I love Jonathan Taylor. You know that. I, if there's one thing that I've proven on this podcast and any podcast, any place I've ever gone, is I've not given up on Jonathan Taylor. Um, Paulie, in a lot of leagues that we did this offseason, this startups, I don't know if you know, well, you didn't, you maybe didn't notice, but I'll tell you. In a lot of the startups, I would have I traded for, like I would trade my startup uh, round one pick for what would have been either the pick three in a super flex or pick one in a non super flex because I wanted to secure Jonathan Taylor. The one hundred one was a pick that I was willing to trade for even in that first round. I was willing to sort of make that that trade, um, you know, when the rookie draft was later after the startup. And so I have a ton of Jonathan Taylor, you know, wherever I can find him. And I've not lost hope at all. Um, Granted, there were some really shitty weeks there, uh, you know, uh, 8, 9, 10 or whatever, you know, was not fun. But as an Indianapolis fan, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I know Tommy Moe did a film breakdown of him. You're certainly, you're very intimate to the situation. We're all you know, huge dynasty and fantasy football enthusiasts and analysts here. So we've been diving into Jonathan Taylor. Hey, you're pretty close to the fire. Tell us what you think. Well, I'm vested as well. I didn't have as much uh, rookie draft capital to only get, you know, him in two or three spots. But then I was able to trade for him there as he uh, sputtered and have, uh, you know, tripled my exposure um, because that's somebody you're going to want on your dynasty squad. Uh, I still think you could buy high on him, like we were talking about earlier. Um, he wasn't ready to be the lead back. It was going to be Marlon Mack. you pretty evident from the week one that he wasn't going to get any touches week one. I mean, that, that, that game was uh, scripted for Naheem Hines to get manufactured touches and, and Marlon Mack to do his thing. If the Colts had it their way, Jonathan Taylor wouldn't have touched the ball for weeks and weeks and weeks. But then he was thrown in there, and um, his vision wasn't there. His footing wasn't there. There's one thing you can see with rookie running backs in general that when when they get ahead of their feet a little bit and they trip up at the line – and you go and you go, oh man, there's that hole right there. You could have rushed for 15 yards. And instead he kind of tripped up and he fell down. It's because his brain and his feet aren't in sync yet. He's not in sync with the speed of the game. You know, it sounds so 
pedestrian to say it because you hear it all the time, getting used to the speed of the game. But the reason why Michael Irvin and Joe Montana and, and, you know, and Devin Hester and all these guys, when you, when you hear them talk about the game and they say that, there's a reason why they say it over and over and over again, because, you know, from Pop Warner to high school to college to the pros, the pros is a whole different situation. And it was pretty evident to me that Jonathan Taylor wasn't processing the speed of the game. And he wasn't, um, he was a little hesitant to take the outside holes that were there for him. He was more apt to just run off the backs of his guys, kind of like Trent Richardson, and just kind of run behind a couple guys pushing the pile and, and happy with his three or four yards. He's broke out now, and it's a whole different ball game. He's processing the speed of the game better. The blocking has gotten better as well. If you look at the blocking the last couple of weeks, he's getting better holes. But it's not all just a hole that you could drive a car through like he had on his 62-yard run last week. He also had several carries where he was splitting a very thin seam and getting through holes that really weren't there, manufacturing his own holes. And that's what a good running back does is there's not a hole, but he can kind of press himself in between bodies and get through with his strength. Um, he's going to be a beast, and I hate to say it, but no running backs ever successfully come back from the Achilles. Deontay Foreman really is the best evidence of it right now, and, and that's him coming back to the point where he can go out there and carry the ball once or twice a game. That's all the work he's getting right now. We've never seen a running back successfully come back from an Achilles tear. I hate to say it because Marlon Mack is great and he's still 25 years old, but he won't be a thing ever again. So you don't have to worry about him next year. Jonathan Taylor is the man. And the passing efficiency, what we were talking about earlier, what what Dobbins lacks and what Akers is just starting to show that he has, Taylor did right off the bat. And him and Hines, I think, are two of the top three most efficient backs in the league and and highest graded per pro football focus in the passing game. And that's huge. You got a guy that's catching four or five, six balls a game to go along with all those touches. He's a 20-plus touch guy. He's a dynasty workhorse. There's so few of them nowadays. Um, I love it. I love it. I'm hot and cold with the Colts because they are a hot and cold team. And, and they haven't been able to show up against good defenses yet. They didn't really look good against the Browns and the, and the, uh, and the uh, Ravens. But that game the other day against the Raiders was amazing. You know that Phillip Rivers, with a turf toe, by the way, or uh, I think it's a plantar fascia, he has to have surgery in the offseason. It's already been announced he is going to have surgery. He got touched once by the Raiders' defensive line and linebackers. It was, wow. it was a knockdown, I think. It wasn't even a sack. It wasn't a batted ball. It wasn't anything yeah. like that. He got, he got touched once. That offensive line is a beast. T.Y. Hilton is, uh, is seeing his, um, his ceiling now. I mean, basically, we're seeing the ceiling of all these players kind of come together. Rivers is playing at a very high level. T.Y. Hilton is finally healthy at this stage of the season. Um, a lot of other people might not realize, but he hasn't been healthy at this point in the season for four years to have a healthy T Y Hilton going into week 15 is something we haven't seen in four years. And he's, he's doing it and he's in a contract year. So he's obviously proving his worth. And then Jonathan Taylor emerging 
um, all at the same time while the offensive line is doing their thing. And Kenny Moore, I mean, we're, we talk about fantasy football and that's highly, you know, offensive base, but can we give a shout out to Kenny Moore's interception real quick? <laughs> that was the best catch I'd seen. Like, Offense, defense, I don't give a shit. That catch, he caught it by the tip of the ball. Behind his body. Yeah. With one hand. It was like the nuke catch. If you remember the famous sideline nuke catch where he jumped up and caught it behind his body with one ball. Um, I think it was the sports center play play of the week. And uh, coaches on both sides. I mean, Gruden said, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that. Um, uh, uh, Our coaches said (laughs) – I, I didn't know he had that in his bag. I didn't know he had that shot in his bag is what one of our coaches said. I can't remember if it was our offensive uh, line coach or our special teams coach. He, he had a really nice golf analogy and said, I don't know that he had that shot in his bag, but that was a great play. Anyway, yeah, Jonathan Taylor um, wheels up on that guy, man. If he's not in your top five or six dynasty running rack back rankings, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I mean, he's a stud, you know, and we all knew that. And, um, you know, hey, quick circle back, I, I, you know, and I'm com- I'm going to come back to this, but, you know, 2019 Baltimore Ravens rushed running backs only, by the way, because obviously the quarterback rushed for all, but just the running backs. Uh, 2,000 yards rushing, 14 rushing touchdowns, just the running backs. Now, I know that all isn't going to go to one guy ever, and it didn't last year, but that was last year. This year, they're at 1,300 already after 14 games, so – Pacing sixteen hundred ish, and uh, fourteen, uh, thirteen, thirteen touchdowns on the ground for Baltimore running backs. So I think the sort of fifteen hundred to two thousand number and fifteen rushing touchdowns for Baltimore running backs is kind of what it is with this with this Lamar Jackson offense. The question is how much of that goes to one guy. Yeah, Last year, what's that? Is he going to get all of that? No, I mean no. Right. But, you know, 909, bro. Sure. Well, maybe he's more than that because that's, you know, I'm saying maybe he's 1313 is kind of the way that he gets there is if that team is really good. Now, this year, they're also down from that. Right. Last year, 2000 yards rushing from the running backs this year. You know, there's they're a little bit behind that. Surprising That offense has been, you know, kind of exposed a little bit here this year. Bingo, that offensive line is not as good. They lost Ronnie Stanley. They they lost their guards, right? So uh, one of them, one of the best players of all time at the guard position. So, I mean, to lose offensive linemen like that is going to affect the run blocking? Yeah, let, let's face it. So we'll see what they do in the draft and, and in free agency. If they can shore up that up, that, that front, they, they've proven they, they don't need good wide receivers because they don't have any. So they don't need that. They just really need – a good offensive line, Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins with with a little bit of a clear path is what I'm looking for. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm a little bit hopeful. But you're right, there, there's some irregularity there, and and the pass catching is an issue. There is no doubt about that. So, but back to back to the guy that we both know and love, and that's that's Jonathan Taylor. And you know, Jonathan Taylor, clear 1.01, and and look, it's not easy because Jonathan Taylor was looking like a problem. You know, he was putting our our faith at 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 to the test. He was. Um, you know, that's one thing I love about the Undroppables. We do vary on takes, but I'm pretty sure the whole crew was Taylor over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's true. I don't sure. think their whole crew. 
was Edwards was uh, Taylor over Edwards Hilaire. And, uh, and yeah, you know, it, it tested, it tested your faith. That's what, uh, that's what faith based systems do. It, they, they, <laughs> they give you tests. Moving right along, I think what the people want to hear is a little bit about something that I wanted to talk about, which was, you know, some of these players that I think, you know, I've had a few people hop in the mentions, whether it be in our in our Undroppables group chat or elsewhere, asking about some of these players. So some of these questionable players going forward. One of them is the Cleveland Steamer, Odell Beckham Jr. Polly, if you own him or if you don't or whatever. What are you thinking about Odell going forward in terms of viability uh, twenty twenty one? Yeah, I mean he's young and he's got the skills, and you can uh, acquire him pretty cheaply right now. Um, on a couple teams where I'm I'm not win now, uh, I did trade for him recently for pretty cheap. Um, it's just all in the eye of beholder. Are you expecting his rookie campaign to happen ever again? Because uh, I would say that your expectations are too high. <laughs> yeah. Would you um, expect more than what we saw here on the Browns offense? Yeah. I think you should expect more than that. I think he's capable of that. I don't think he's going to be a Brown much longer. I think he's going to turn into the new Brandon Cooks where he's hopping from team to team to team and, and playing on th- three teams over a period of five years. I think they're going to find a way to get him out of there, uh, find a good trade candidate. Um, I've already said I think Baker is better without the alpha. Um, I think he needs just a little bit stronger tight end group. Um, If those corners would stay healthy, that would help. Um, uh, Some things like that. I – it just depends on, like I said, it just depends on what you could get him for and what your expectations are. I think he could be a high, a high wide receiver one again, or a low, a low wide receiver one again, a wide receiver two type situation, and have the boom games that win you weeks. Um, he's not dead, man. You know. <laughs> you know, as I look at Odell Beckham Jr. Um, Here's my concern, Polly, and and hear this out. So this is my concern with Odell Beckham Jr. You're right, rookie season. Uh, his catch percentage, 70%. Outstanding, right? Obviously, he had the 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns and only 13, uh, 12 games, excuse me. Um, you know, you remember he sort of started late, but unbelievable season. 100 yards a game, over 100 yards a game, um, 70% catch rate, Uh 10 yards per target in that in that season unbelievable 12 touchdowns all right now let's look at that 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 season look every single season if we look at touchdowns they basically declined almost every single year his touchdown percentage basically declined every single year since then his touchdown percentage has gone down his uh his catch percentage started at 70% in that year kind of fizzled around 60% this last 2 years 55 and now 53% catch percentage. His yards per target started at 10. It the next year 9.2 right around 8. The last 2 years 7.8 now 7.4. He has just been a declining player literally in every category throughout his career. 
And we've been waiting for that bounce back. We sort of blamed it on Eli. Then we blamed it on Baker. Well, now Baker's sort of thriving without him and, and finding success with some of these other players, including Donovan Peoples-Jones and Higgins and all. Right? I mean, it's like maybe at some point it's it's uh, it's Odell. And, and I don't know if he's – I mean, he's an exceptional player, but something else is not right because he's gotten worse and worse every single year. And this is his 28-year-old season. This is when he's supposed to be in his prime, 27 and 28. It hasn't been. Yeah, I mean, what went overlooked last year is that he played almost all year hurt. Um, it's crazy. He said it, and everybody ignored it. I talked about it on uh, on several podcast appearances that I did last year um, that he came out and admitted that he was playing hurt, that he wasn't 100%. I think he needs a new offense. I think, you know, put him on uh put him on Houston. Ooh. Uh put him on Detroit. Um, you know, if uh if the Vikings get rid of uh Adam Thielen, uh something like that. Um I think could Hey, Polly. Polly, let me just say if he goes to Houston, I want to recant that entire just rant that I went on. Let right? me just pull that back. <laughs> I heard your little whoop. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I disagree with everything I just said. If he goes to Houston with Deshaun Watson, I mean, that sounds really, really, really flavorful. But again, I mean, you know, it's going to take something like that, don't you think? In other words, a, a, a spot where we feel really good about it. Otherwise, if they're just like, yep, coming back to Cleveland, he's going to be fine. Like, yeah, I don't uh, think. Are you I'm excited? Think, I'm not excited for him back in Cleveland. No. Right? Uh, uh, a tight offense, uh, tightly run offense, two tight end sets, run centric. Very, very play action uh, heavy um, is not uh, is not his game. So not with a all. thin with a thin number of outs, are you maybe are you trading him away? Are you waiting for the off season to see if there's a little bit of hope and maybe it's hope that you don't necessarily think is that hopeful, but maybe other people will. Is that kind of what you're waiting for? I mean, what what's the play? No, he's with a buy or a hold for me. Okay. And buy would be obviously if if the price was right. Yes, I can't find the trade that I did, but I actually traded for a couple of uh, injured guys. I traded for Galladay and him, and traded two kind of win now assets to another team. I think it was Terminator, um, and I kind of liked it, so I, I smashed it. But uh, um, if you could get him at a decent price, I think you can, because um, I think people are definitely ready to write him off. And if you have him, you're not, you know, you're going to have to uh, sell at a depleted value. So you shouldn't. You should wait for, there's always a window. We've seen this. There's always a window. Something happens and their value spikes, whether it's just a piece of news or if I'm right and they find a way to get rid of that contract and get him off the team, obviously, that would be a good time to sell. So he's a buyer or a hold for me. Yeah, you said it right, man. You're you're absolutely nailing that. That is the correct answer. He's a buy or a hold. And if you can buy him cheap, get him. But you're right. There's always a window. Hashtag there's always a window. That is that is the right answer. And you have to be looking for that window with certain players on your roster, right? I mean, you know, I know you already know this, but talking to the people like and a lot of you guys are nodding your heads as you listen to this, like, fuck yeah, man, that's exactly right. And others are going, Oh shit, I had never thought of it that way. But it's a hundred percent the right advice is that, you know, look for those windows because it happens. It's like, you know, how many how many hot potatoes have we had with with uh 
with um uh Gordon, you know, and you know, every time he's coming back and there's always a window with that guy. There's been like 72 windows. Um, but you know, in any event, uh moving on to the next guy, uh Kenny Galladay. What what are your thoughts here on Kenny Galladay? <sighs> I don't know that he's done himself any favors. I mean, in a contract year, you can either prove your value on the field to increase uh, your contract, or you could do what he did and uh, and sit out and uh, and I guess retain your value by not getting hurt. Um, if I was the Lions, I would have no interest in bringing him back the way he's handled this. To me, he's kind of like. Uh, Galladay's kind of like uh, um, Smokey on uh, Friday when he falls and he says it's his back. <laughs> and minutes later, he says it's his neck. And they said, I thought you said it's your back. He's like, oh, it's my back and my neck. Oh, I'm hurt. Oh, my neck, my back, my neck and my back. Oh. You know, he's coming up with these phantom injuries uh it's pretty obvious right now that he's not hurt he's holding himself out through a phantom injury so he can uh stay healthy and get a contract i don't think he'll be on that team anymore so now we have to look at landing spot and we don't know that yet so his value is as much of an enigma as i could possibly imagine in dynasty right now i had him borderline top 10 dynasty wide receiver uh, early in this season in the off season. Um, you know, I haven't backed off of that a bunch because I still believe in his value and his, uh, his skill set. He's kind of a baby Megatron out there in his wig span, his catch radius, what he could do. Um, so he's got everything and he's got the ability to take over a game. He's got the ability to, earn his quarterback's trust for the jump balls, he can get you 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns and 85 catches and and win your league if he gets his head out of his ass and uh, either proves to Detroit that he's worth the money or gets a right the right spot. He's a free agent, right? Yeah. I mean, Kenny Galladay, if we – you know, for me, he was firmly in my top 10 – and and you're right, you know, uh, it, my neck, my back, right? I mean, absolutely. He's, he, I don't know what to make of him. He just turned 27. He's in his prime, but he has done nothing for you on uh, this season. So next year, he's going to be, you know, turning 28. That's starting to get past the age apex and over the dynasty curve. I'm a little bit concerned um, and more so than I than I thought I would be sort of talking it out. You know, he's been in firmly in my top 10. And I think right now um, someone asked me in the Undroppables group chat and I showed him I'm at like uh, wide receiver 12 with him still in Dynasty. I don't know, man. You know, maybe I'm a little too heavy on this guy, you know. And so uh, he, you're right. He has that ceiling of just dominance when you see him play it's like oh my god that baby megatron thing you literally see it he plays way above the rim so to speak where you know stafford will throw it up and like clearly kenny galladay is coming up with you like oh my god this dude is sick so he's got that but if he can't stay on the field and if he's going to be 28 years old next year you know how long does all this last so i'm a little dubious um 
but it's hard to sell him right now because a playoff team isn't looking to buy him and a rebuilding team isn't looking to buy him. So he may also be a little bit of a hold at this point. That's what um, I'm saying. Complete enigma. I don't know what I would want to sell him for. I don't know what I would want to buy him for. Um, right. Definitely holding him where I have him. He's just a hold. He's just – I don't see any deals going around for him. Do you? No, absolutely not. I haven't, I've literally seen him change hands zero times in any league I'm in. Right now, everybody's waiting to see what happens. <laughs> it's crazy. You're absolutely 100% right. Very, very strange. So, look, I mean, if I suppose if you can get – you know, top twelve wide receiver value for Kenny Galladay. Maybe he's a sell, but I don't see that. And 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 Paulie, who's in more leagues than me, and really the ear to the ground, is also not seeing that in dynasty. So maybe sounds like a a, a firm hold. Now another one that you know we got to look at and start to to think about is is Adam Thielen, who's been dope. Uh, you know, what do you make of Adam Thielen going forward? Man, I subtract two years from his age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I mean, from everything I've seen from him out there on the field and the way that he stays healthy, the way that he um, keeps his body away from major contact, if you watch him play, even when he's in the slot, which he does play a lot, I can't believe how they juggle him and Jefferson in the slot so masterfully. Um, But uh, he doesn't take those big slot hits. Um, He's – a master at his craft, man. He's he's a he's mastered the craft of, of wide receiver. His his hands, his location, his way to um, find the soft spots in the zone. I don't know that there's anybody in the game right now that could find the soft spot in the zone better than he can to get open. And he's under contract for a while. There's an out next. Mm-hmm. In his contract, so there's a potential out that would make him uh, count like $5 million against the cap but save the team more than that. But I, I wouldn't do that if I were the Vikings to save a few mil. Um, he's going to probably die a Viking. I mean, he's a, he's not yeah. an unrestricted free agent until 2025. So I, I think he's going to stay on that team. There might be some restructuring at that out because he's due to get paid 11, 12, 13, 14 million in those final years of his contract. And the cap hit is the same. So when that cap hit is the same as the salary, you know that the team's kind of in a weird spot. So, um, and he'll probably do it. He's a good guy. He's a blue collar guy. Um, I bet that he does take a restructure. Uh, maybe something with some more guaranteed money. I could see him doing something like what Julio did in 2019 with Atlanta, where there was a restructuring and more upfront money and then less money on the back end because they can't afford to pay him 13 and 14 million in 2023 and 2024. That's not going to happen. Right. I see his contract kind of consolidating to uh, a three year contract where it's, you know, 50 million and 35 million guaranteed. And then the team has a better out in 2022 if they need to move on. Um, so that's where I'm at, just kind of analyzing contracts. It's something that I've been trying to get better and better out. Um, shout out to Al Sabermetrics on the Undroppables team. His pin tweet is his contract database, and he's better at this than me. So if you want to know more about contracts and how they affect your dynasty values and, and trades, 
Um, he's a great, great resource for that. But it's something that everybody in Dynasty should do before you hit that trade button, before you hit that accept button. Go look up their contract. See it's if huge. they're a free agent next year. See if they're locked up for the next few years. And, and yeah, when you talk about Adam Thielen, you know, he's kind of that technician, that guy that like, you know, he's kind of like, uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald in the way that like, you know, you could picture him winning into his 30s going forward. He's not just a physical phenom. So, you know, where if the if the if the juice goes, so does the productivity. So I think you're right. I mean, he may be an interesting sort of buy because you can talk to somebody and say, hey, look, man, uh, he's 30 years old. It's over, yada, yada. We had I, – man, I can't remember the trade. And in one of my dynasty leagues, Thielen got traded for – God, it was nothing. I can't I remember what – I on a couple win now teams, and I feel like it was nothing. I feel like I stole them. Yeah. Uh, and I think that you could do it again, and I'm serious about that Ajax, Apex thing. Um, it does exist for some players, but um, other players can um, succeed outside of that range. Um, you know, it's an apex or a median for a reason. That means there's people that don't produce past that age, and there's people that do. Bingo. And he's he's gonna he's gonna break that mold. I firmly believe that for at least next year, Adam Thielen's gonna bring you Adam Thielen. We we're gonna have to reevaluate that again in a year. But I have no problem assuming that he's going to be just as productive as he has been. Yeah, I agree. I think I think next year he he he. And with Justin Jefferson coming on, people are going to yeah. be like, ah, Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson's awesome. Maybe the best wide receiver in the class. And he's going to demand targets, and he's going to be uh, an absolute beast. But Thielen's still going to eat. So you can probably get him cheaper uh, with this Justin Jefferson emergence that's been happening. Well, you know, we're going we're gonna to cut it a little short. You're right about uh, Adam Thielen. We'll, we'll probably hit – Maybe one more here before we go. I, th- I think I'd rather look at one of the one of the other players that you talked about that you wanted to talk about that we both wanted to talk about. But the reason we have to go is that Paulie's daddy called and Daddy Terminator called and he yelled at me too and it was not very nice. So we've got to get wrapped up uh, because Paulie is making uh, you know his 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 presence be known on the unscripted pod where they don't let him talk. They put him in the corner. They're not nice to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Anybody kidding. that listens to our pod knows that's not true. I, I, that's right. I don't <laughs> shut the hell up. <laughs> uh, shit. Well, let's let, let's hit one more. And this is for term. This is for term. One of the breakouts is – well, we'll hit them in a pair, okay? So we'll do it this way. Ready? So I think it's pretty clear that the market prefers Brandon Ayuk over Denzel Mims. But for your life – Who's going to have more receiving yards in the next five years, Brandon Ayuk or Denzel Mims? And we'll talk about them both, but who you got? Uh, Ayuk. It's amazing. He has caught 100 yards or a touchdown in every one of his NFL games. Wow. One or the other. Uh, Mims is great. I think that the great thing about Mims right now is that you can acquire him for so much less. Yes. Ayuk has emerged. Ayuk is going to demand a little bit more in, in trade. Um, Mims is the air yards guy right now. He's got all the air yards, but he hasn't done much for your fantasy team, but except for show a ceiling of 9, 10, or 11 points. Um, 
I think that that offense has got to get better and, and Adam Gase is going to go and um, probably have a new quarterback as well. So I'm all over Mims um, as far as his value goes. But I love Ayuk. I, I said that Ayuk is what, you know, they hoped Debo Samuel would be. And I caught a lot of shit for that because people love Debo, but the poor guy can't stay on the field. I told a lot of people to not play him last week because he had that new foot injury in practice. That's right. A new foot injury, not the one that we've known about, not the plantar fasciitis that he's got screws in his foot for, like Hollywood Brown last year. But a San new, Bernardino Brown. San, San Bernardino. Bernardino Brown. I'm sorry. Yeah. But he has a new foot injury that he suffered in practice, and then he kind of tweaked it going out of bounds last week. So I love him when he's on the field, and I, you know, I am not afraid to throw away, throw around the term injury prone. The man is injury prone. Ayuk is the guy to own in that offense. I think Ayuk over the next five years will be more productive, but I think uh, Mims could be close and can be had for a lot cheaper. Yeah, that, that's well said. I mean, look, it's really hard to pick against Brandon Ayuk when I ask the question that way. It really is. I've got it. I don't know that I would either. So I'm, I'm not here to call you out for that answer. And Ayuk has basically, you know, he he is he is kind of he checked all the boxes except for one, which was kind of breakout age. He was a late breakout, but technically he was dominating at you know whatever it was JUCO, it was junior college, D two, whatever it was. It was some sort of you know other. It wasn't a D one college, so therefore those stats, quote unquote, don't count. Also, he was completely dominating. Like he, I think he had like twenty touchdowns. You know in one season, like he was killing it at some lower level. And then, you know, when he elevated, he did well as well. I mean, he did play in Nikhil Harry's shadow a little bit in year one, but year two at Arizona state, he, he dominated and, and was a returner was really dynamic for them. So Ayuk, um, which who had a little bit of a question mark coming in has erased all that with his play on the field. And you're absolutely right. He looks amazing. When you talk about Denzel Mims though, Denzel Mims is kind of that that alpha looking dude who is outstanding, and he's playing on a team that's zero and thirteen. Their defensive coordinator was Greg Williams. Their 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 offensive coordinator and head coach is perhaps the stone worst coach in NFL history. I mean, it's close. Like if you were making a list, you'd he'd be on it. If you were like, all right, let's put together ten names of the worst fucking coaches of all time, we'd put Adam Gaze on that list and we'd have a conversation. So, and you know, he's got a, a, a an offensive line that's getting absolutely crushed all the time. The quarterback can't throw down the field, and Mims has still been okay. Now, insert next year, they've got two first-round picks, the 1.01, unless they somehow fuck that up. Trevor Lawrence is almost 100% going to be their quarterback going forward. They'll trade Darnold for some sort of capital, probably draft capital. You know, Rosen fetched a second. I'm sure people will be gun-shy to make that same mistake again, but you know, Darnold probably better and has shown more than Rosen, obviously. So maybe they get a second. Point of the matter is with that second first, their own second, maybe the other draft capital they get for Darnold, if they can start to put a little bit more around with a good coach, things can change very quickly like they did in Miami. Things can change very quickly there. And all of a sudden, Denzel Mims could be the T. Higgins to Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, it's not outside of his range of outcomes to be – you know, a top 10 wide receiver going forward. And to Paulie's outstanding point, 
can be had for far, far less. You know, there's maybe some guys who are looking to jump ship on Mims. So I'd float some offers out there in your dynasty leagues. But, you know, we're going to wrap it up. We're about five minutes from the clock expiring and, and, and Fantasy Terminator coming in and kicking my ass. He doesn't even know where I live, but he'll find me. That's I mean, that's how the Terminator goes. You've seen him. He's got those those Gatling guns and whatnot. He'll find your ass and kill your ass. Yeah. Big boy, he'll he'll kill your ass. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, two names I just want to say. We don't even have Go to talk it. about them because wrapping up. Gabriel Davis oh. and Darnell Moon. God. You know I love Gabe Davis. I mean, Gabe just Gabriel Davis. Check. We don't have time to get into all the stuff, but Darnell Mooney, 89th percentile breakout age, 80th fifth percent uh, college dominator rating. Early outsnapped Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson probably leaving town. He's a free agent. Gabriel Davis, you got John Brown, who's got the sickle cell trait, probably will be leaving leaving town as well. Both opposite. Um, well, you've got Gabriel opposite and Alpha and Stefan Diggs, so he won't be getting the the big coverage. The two guys that I really, really just wanted to touch on before we got off for your peeps. I'm uh, very much interested in getting those guys on my team as much as possible absolutely with gabriel davis and i tweeted the other day um you know i have the my anatomy series which you know some people misconstrue what the anatomy of a wide receiver or the anatomy of a tight end you know basically what i'm always looking for is just to sort of identify the traits of elite players so that way you're not convincing yourself on someone being an elite prospect when they're not you know the, the these players that hit you know, elite status in the NFL, what are some of the things about them that are similar? That's basically what it's all about. And I know a lot of people really love my anatomy series every time I come out with it. And and trust me, it's helped me identify the players as well. Well, in the 2020 wide receiver class, there were five players that hit every, every checkbox of the anatomy series. So these guys literally are profile as elite wide receivers. That doesn't mean they'll become elite. doesn't mean that at all. It means that they have the criteria of what those players often look like. And the ones that hit every checkbox were Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, and Denzel Mims. Now, those five guys certainly look the part. Uh, Chenault, you know, a little bit uh, of, of an interesting player there, but uh, Gabriel Davis hit all four, except the only one he didn't hit was draft capital. And I would argue he should have been drafted earlier. He was a fourth rounder instead of a third rounder. And ultimately you want a, a, a day one or two selection as sort of, so draft capital aside, he hits every checkbox. And so, and I think when Buffalo got him in there, they realized what they had. They play him a ton. They, they target him often. They, they trust him in, in running situations as well as passing situations. He's not just in there once in a while. Uh, he's got like five straight games with a touchdown or some crazy thing. Like He is definitely going to be a player going forward. And when we were talking about those guys emerging, Gabriel Davis is one of them. I'm so glad you brought him up, Polly. And that's why Polly's the fucking best out there, man. Polly Sleepers. At Polly Sleepers on Twitter, Paul Lundegaard, one of the best dudes you'll you'll know. You definitely want to follow him. He's sort of the the governor of of Twitter uh, fantasy football because everybody loves him, looks to him for leadership. He's a great guy, and I'm so grateful that he's on my team at the Undroppables. And thank you so much for coming on my pod. Uh, thank you so much, Paul. You're the fucking man. I love you. 
Thanks, Jax. Love you too, man. And uh, I'm really glad we finally got to do this. It was a great time. And uh, everybody, go get those trophies. And when you do, tweet at us and tell us about it. There's nothing better that we get off on than seeing our followers say, hey, Polly, hey, Jax, term, hey. Trophy. Chalk. Here's my trophy. Yeah. Thanks for all the advice. Absolutely. That's what we want. To Absolutely. See. And on behalf of Polly and his his uh, his pod at the Unscripted, which you ought to be listening to, uh, on behalf of myself, Polly, all of us at the Undroppables, thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you. Peace out.